Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today's message is a part of our series, Am I Saved? Whether we grew up in church our entire life or were a brand new believer, chances are we've asked ourselves this question before. Our prayer is that you gain a better understanding of the authenticity of your salvation by listening to today's message. Hey, hey. How's it going? Welcome to Connection Church. Man, we're so pumped that you guys are here um, with us this morning. How have y'all loved this series, man? This is an awesome series. Am I saved? Um, so thankful to be in a church um, that doesn't shy away from the truth of Scripture, man, and, 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 and really confronts you with the issue of salvation because it has eternal value, right? You know, and, and so I believe God's led us to this series as a church for a couple of reasons. And one of those being, um, I believe he wants us to examine our hearts. Um, um, genuinely, you know, and, and be real before him and, and ask ourselves, are we truly saved? We, we, we live in a culture very much that says, if, if you come to church, you're a believer. And, and the more I dig into scripture and the more um, I, I see the person of Jesus Christ, I, I don't think that's, that's all it is. That's not exactly what it means to believe. And so I believe he's asked us to examine our hearts. Um, and number two, another reason I think he's done it is because I believe he wants to set us free um, from our works, um, to trust in his work of, of what he's done on the cross for us. And, um, and I'm, I'm so, uh, thankful to, to be in a church that, that proclaims that. And, and, and really this morning, I, I, if I could describe the message in a word, I want to say rest. And, and I want you, um, to hear about the person of Christ and what he's done for us on the cross and rest from your works and rest in his, and, and, and I will talk about that a little more later, but let me pray for us real quick and, and we'll get into it. Lord God, I do just pray, um, this morning, um, that your name would be lifted God high, um, in this place. You would be glorified. God, this wouldn't be about us. It's about you. Lord, I do pray that you would open our hearts to hear from your scripture. God, I pray, um, for the great hope that, that you are to us, God. Um, I pray that you would reveal that. Um, in, a, in a mighty way this morning, God, I pray that you would hide me behind your cross um, and that um, you would be seen and you would speak to our hearts, God, in, in a big way this morning. In Christ's name, amen. And so we've seen throughout this, uh, this, this series that, that God does not intend for us to be confused about this issue of, of salvation. And, and John actually writes in 1 John um, that he says, I write these things so that you may be sure of, of your eternal salvation and, and where that rests. And so I believe um, Jesus is, is very clear that he wants us to rest assured in our salvation and want to, uh, wants us to, to know that. And, and so, um, and I would even say it's actually very, very frustrating to not know that, um, to not know where um, you're going to spend eternity, to not know um, whether Jesus has you in his hands or not. And, and I would say there's a very much a weight on your back when you try to do that alone. Does that, does that, catching with anybody. I mean, it's a very, very big issue to try to carry the weight of eternity on your own back. And so when I say rest, what I'm talking about is take that off of your back and and put it on the back of Christ and, and, and what he's done for us. And that's what I want us to see this morning. And so my purpose, um, for this message this morning is, is for you to leave here knowing, um, that to rest assured in your salvation, to know that you're saved or not. Um, and the way I want to do that is by unpacking a couple of scriptures that I think can um, very much lead us in that. And so if you have your Bible, please turn to uh, Philippians chapter 1 with me. Um, and you can put your finger in Ephesians chapter 1, which is the book right before um, Philippians, both pretty far to the right in the New Testament. So um, I'll give you a second to get there. 
If you don't have your Bible, it'll be right here behind me on the screen. Um, So listen to this. Here's what Paul says. Um, I thank my God. He's speaking to the Philippians who he cares about um, deeply. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And this is our verse right here to think about. And I'm sure of this, some translations say, and I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And so listen to that again. And I'm sure of this, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And so when we hear that verse as a believers, it, it should give us a, a little deep breath of sigh of, of, of relief that, man, our salvation and the work of, of Christ in our life is, is majority, and, and I would say mostly on Christ in us. And now, obviously, there's, there's a part where we're working it out with him, and he gives us the desire to go with that. But, like, rest your life on the person of Jesus Christ and the work um, that he wants to do in your life. And I believe there's a reason Paul can say this to the Philippians to say, hey, you, I'm confident of this, that God, that work that he started in you when I was there, when I came to visit you guys, he's going to bring that to completion. And I make my prayer when I pray for you with joy because I can rest in this fact. And so for me speaking to you today, like that's what I want to be able to, to see, to say, and for your good and for, for my good, my hope is that when you leave here today, that you can say that, that, that I'm sure of this, man, this, this work that God started in my heart, he's going to bring it to completion. And I'm so pumped about that. And so dependent on him in that. And I believe there's a reason Paul can say this. And I think we need to go to Ephesians to figure out exactly what that is and what I want to focus on, um, this morning. So if you have, um, a Bible flip back one book to the book of Ephesians, um, and we're going to be looking at, uh, verse 13 and 14. And so this is what Paul says. He says in him, he's talking about being in Christ. He says in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, which was the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, in Christ, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is what? The guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And so for me, I look at the scripture and I see, okay, if, if, if there's proof of the spirit in our life, if the spirit is at work in us, then that promise in Philippians 1, 6, that says he will bring this work to completion. That can be true for us and we can rest in that. So let me encourage you. And I hope to stir your affections this morning for Christ and for the work that he's doing in your life and for, um, the, 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 the process of, of, of just growing you in him for the rest of your life, I I want to stir you up and remind you, man, that is Christ's job. That's what he wants to do. And I believe that we can prove our salvation by looking to see if the Holy Spirit's actually in us. Y'all tracking on that? Give me a little head nod if you're, you're with me. You with me? Okay, here we go. All right, so let's do this. Um, so if you think about it, in this kind of way, I want to almost kind of go into some truths of, of what the Holy Spirit is about before I, before we look at evidences that we actually have the Holy Spirit. And I think these are very, very important to us. And so you may ask the question, Billy, why is the Spirit even important? You know, um, you may be like me, grew up in a uh, very, very conservative church and, and, and people start talking about the Spirit and your mind goes everywhere. You know what I mean? It, that may be your... Or you may have grown up in a not so much conservative church and you think the spirit, you think of people running around and speaking in tongues and doing all these, all these different things. And that's okay. 
That's okay. Um, what I want to do is to bring us to scripture and to see um, why, this, why the spirit is very important, especially in the lives of believers. And so I think to do this, we need to start with, um, we don't understand our need personally for the, for the spirit until we understand um, really our helplessness without it or our inadequacy without it. And so the Bible would, would, would tell each of us that, that we were born into sin. Um, sin means missing the mark. That means we've missed the mark of the righteousness of God. And I probably don't have to um, convince you that you've missed the mark of Christ. And so because of that, um, I, I think that's most of our view of sin is that we've just missed the mark. But this morning, I want to kind of go into that a little bit deeper. And I want us to see the depth of our sin. And, and I promise I'm not going to leave you depressed. I'm going to bring some good news along with it. But here we go. I, I want to look at this. And so the Bible speaks that, that we have a heart issue. And, and so I want to look at Titus chapter one to, to see this heart issue. Um, Titus chapter one, you don't have to turn there, but just listen to me. Um, here's what Paul says to Titus. He says to the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, all things are defiled. And so when he says that, what he means is defiled just means stained. So it means that it, it's one little thing that affects the whole big picture. So think about it like this. If you've got a glass of water and you've got some food coloring stain, you drop the drop of food coloring into this, this water, it turns the whole thing red or it turns the whole thing whatever color of the dye is, right? So that one drop affects the whole thing. Well, well here's the thing. It, before Christ and, and, and until God gives us a new heart, puts the spirit in us, we have a heart that desires to sin. That means that it, it is about self. You know, the essence of sin is that we don't want to make much of Christ, but we feel like we got it figured out and we want to make much of ourself. And, and so that comes in many forms and fashions. And, and, and you see that as you deal with many different types of people. For some, it's, um, it, it's a good old boy, right? You know, for some, it's, it's the person who comes to church, um, you know, hadn't missed a Sunday school class since they've been alive, you know. And, and, and that person can be just as far from this as the other person, maybe a, you know, you think of a, a, a thug or somebody who's shooting people or a terrorist, you know, in the things of, of Boston, you think about that. Their heart is just as far from Christ. Those two people are the same thing. They're about one thing. What can I do to make much of myself? You know, whether it's shooting somebody, so people that see that I'm, I'm good, or whether it's, you know, coming to church so that people think I'm a good old boy. So I get a good job. Both of those are rooted in what self I want to make much of, of myself. And so what we have to see is that that's the root of our sin. Every one of us, no matter if we've grown up in church or not, the root of our sin is that we desire to make much of us, no matter what kind of picture or or portrayal of it we put out. And so, but the essence of that is sin against God. And so we have no way of getting out of that, you know? And, and so for, for people like me or, or maybe my testimony speaks to you a little bit, what I tried to do is with that selfish heart, I tried to clean it up. I tried to, to do a lot of good things so that people would think that I had it all together. And, and I genuinely wanted to be better. And so what I started doing was coming to church and I started to get into a Bible study, started getting involved. I, I didn't go to the parties like I used to. I didn't, you know, have sex with my girlfriend or do any of those things. Like I, I did these things and didn't do um, these things. And I thought that's what it meant to be a believer. But I did not see the root, the core of my heart. My heart was about me and everything I did was about me. And, and so that's where we have to see. And the only thing that can change that is the spirit. So in an essence, without the spirit, we can't even please God. 
Does that make sense? And so if our heart desires to make much of me, which is the essence of sin, I can't do anything to please God. So I can come to church, but if it's about me, it's sin. It's sinful. You know what I mean? And so there's a bunch of different portrayals of that. But the root issue of it is we need to see that we have a heart before Christ that's about me. And, And so the only thing that can change that is when we come to Christ and he gives us this Holy Spirit. So the importance of the Spirit in our lives is it brings new desires. It brings a new heart. And, and praise God that it does because that puts us on our way in our relationship with God. And so the last thing I want you to do this morning is to, to be persuaded to start doing a lot of good things without coming to the doctor to get a new heart. Does that make sense? Y'all tracking with me right there? And, and so um, we have to see that before we can see anything. And so the first thing is, why is the spirit important? The spirit's important because we can't be obedient. We can't please Christ without it because everything we do without it is out of a desire to make much of ourselves. And then on the other side, so when do we even receive this spirit? Right? It's a good question. So, so when do we receive this spirit? And I believe Ephesians one, which we read a little earlier says in him, you also, when you, when you, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed you received that spirit, right? That promised Holy Spirit, which is the guarantee, right? The guarantee. That's a good thing. Guarantee. That means it's, it's in there to stay. And so when do we receive this? Well, the first thing we have to do is we have to hear the gospel. And, 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 and when we hear the gospel, it, it's this great news about Jesus. And I hope it's great news to you. And I hope um, that, that you see it as we're sinful. Our sin is missing the mark, right? We've talked about that. Our, really, we, our hearts are far from God. And so that separates us from Christ who created us. That, that separates us from a holy and just God. And so when, as that separates us, we, we can't do enough good things to get back to him, right? And God created us to be in a relationship with him, right? Our fulfillment, our joy, our, our peace, everything we long for, everything we look for in, in other things, whether it be sports or success or a girl or, or sex or pornography or whatever. I could go through a whole list of things and you know what that is in your life. Whatever you, you're looking for fulfillment and satisfaction is, I can tell you it all leads to the same place, emptiness. And it does, and, and I promise you, and, and you're going to wake up one day and you're going to say, man, that big dude was right. You know, and, and, I, and I, I want to bring that to you today and, and recognize the fact that it leads to emptiness. But I'm telling you, I know where your fulfillment is found, not because I'm just telling you that, but because I've tasted it. And, and I've, 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 I've drank of it. And, 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 and that's what Jesus is. And so when we hear that gospel that we've been separated from God and there's a chasm between us, but we hear the Jesus, we hear the name of Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross. And, and, and he was the only person that could do it, right? God looked down on him and in his grace and mercy, he, he poured out the full punishment due our sin on his son to make a way for us to be reconciled back to him and find that fulfillment that we long for. And so when we hear that gospel, he says, Paul says, you want that promised Holy Spirit? He says, you hear that gospel and you believe. And, and so I, I don't want to be so dumb as to jump over the pact to believe because we hear that a lot. But in our culture, belief and faith is very much a watered down term. Um, and I love the example that was used last week. Um, about a chair, you know, and, and so I don't have a chair, but I have a bench that some drums are on. And so 
um, if you'll see this, I'm, I'm pretty big guy. I'm about six, three, two fifty ish. Um, and so w- when you look at this thing, it, it looks like it was built in about 1970s chip marks. Our drummer hits the drums pretty hard. He chips off pain as you can see. Um, and so if, if you look at this thing, the, the essence of faith means to rest your life upon something, the weight of your life, your whole life upon something. And so when Jesus says, believe or put your faith in me, he says, I'm it. Like you, you, you have to come to the end of yourself and say, I can't do this alone. I can't attain the righteousness that God requires. And so when he says to put your faith on something, he says, come to me, rest the weight of your life, rest the righteousness that I'm going to give you, rest your salvation on me. Because that's the only way to do it because you're going to fall short. And so what he says is he, he doesn't say to just maybe stick a little bit on there. You know, if I put my faith in this thing, I'm like, dang, it's 1970. It may bust. I weigh a lot. That's probably just not going to be a good thing. And so to put my faith in this, if I don't actually come over here and sit down on it and put my full weight on this thing, can I truly believe in it? Can I truly say with all confidence to you that I have faith that this thing's going to hold me up? And so when we bring that back to Christianity, here's the thing that we like to do. We like to kind of put wooden foot in with God. And we like to say, God, you can have all of my life, but you can't have this, right? You can have, Lord, you can have everything I have. You, I'll come to church. I'll do this. I'll do this. But that relationship I'm in, that's mine. I got to have that. I know they're not a believer and I know we're not honoring the Lord, but is that, that's mine. I need just a little bit over here. I need this, or maybe it's a sport. You know, for me, for a long time, it was, God, you can have all my life, but I need to be cool in the football locker room and I need to do this. You know what I mean? And so there's very much, and and I could go on and on and on. And and, and what is that to you? What, what, what have you given God? What, what are you holding back from him? You know, and God says, for us to receive the spirit, when do we receive the spirit? We hear that gospel and we say, Lord, I understand I'm sinful. I can't do it. I can't do enough good things to add up against all the bad things that I do. You know what I mean? I can't have that perfect requirement that you require, but I'm going to rest my faith on the one that can. And that's on Jesus Christ. And so at that moment, he says, when we surrender our life, our full life upon Christ, he says, I seal you with the Holy Spirit, right? That's what it says in him. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, which is the guarantee of your inheritance until you acquire possession of it, right? That's what the scripture says. So if if you think about that, sealed is a great term, right? Philippians wants to, is that, it's that whole idea. When you seal something, that means that you mark it, Right? So if you th- think about a, a farmer, so I wore my boots for y'all today so we could get a little farmer on and I start, I'll go ahead and warn you. I start talking country when I start talking about farm. I don't know why it's just a natural tendency. And so I don't know anything about farming. Um, but here's the thing I know that when a farmer marks his cattle, what do they do? Brand them, right? They got that hot stick, which I've never understood as torture, but you put it on the, the cow and it brands them, right? What do they do that for? To seal them, to say that that's mine. So if that cattle gets out and gets with some other cows, if it's got my brand on it, it's mine. Well, God says the way that he seals his people is what? The Holy Spirit, right? And so another thing sealing means is it means security. So one of the other uh, ways the Bible uses sealed is when Jesus was locked in the tomb, they sealed the tomb with a rock. And so how cool is that to think that like when God seals us, that means that we're secure in Christ and, and, and a seal is only as good as the person who seals it. And our seals from Jesus, 
<laughs> so it, our seal is from the God of the universe, the all powerful, nothing's bigger than that. So if God is for us, who can be against us, right? So if we can rest in this fact that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, we can be assured that nobody can take it from us, right? And so when we're, when we're you know, when we're doing what we do and, and, and we find ourselves with our eyes taken off Christ and we're just depressed and, and walking in condemnation, guess what? When we look back to this word and we see, man, I put my weight on Christ. I believe that gospel. Guess what? We can look back to that promise and say, I'm sealed with that spirit. You know what I mean? And that's, that's the hope I want to bring to you today. And I'm not saying that when you're sealed with the spirit, you're perfect. Don't hear that. What I want to want you to hear is, man, if that seal is in you, you are his and nothing can take you away from him. And you can rest in that. And it's such an awesome promise. So um, the first thing we got is why is the spirit important? And we know that because without it, we can't please God. Number two, when do we receive it? We hear the gospel. We put our faith in Christ. At that moment, we receive it. The third thing is, is what is the purpose of it? So, Billy, you're talking about the spirit like it's a big deal. For one, it is. Two, the purpose of it. What is the purpose of this spirit? Why do I need it, Billy? And, and, and so here's what I would say. It's, it's how... God make sure that you follow him for the rest of your life. So everybody, when they hear, you know, some people in the flesh, when they hear the gospel, they're like, okay, well, if you're saying you put all your faith on Christ and it has nothing to do with your works and, and, and nothing to do with all this stuff, then like, that means I can do whatever I want to, right? Does that make sense? So our, our faith, our righteousness is based on Christ alone and not on what we do. Then like, a logical thinker would just say, okay, well, my faith's in Christ. I'm good to go. So I can do whatever I want to. I got my ticket to heaven. That's not what, that's not what scripture says. And it's such a beautiful promise because as soon as we believe in Christ, he seals us with that Holy spirit and he changes our desires. He changes our heart. And he says, because you've tasted, you're going to follow me for the rest of your life because I'm going to make Christianity, not just something you're doing. I'm going to make it who you are. And, and you can't do, you can't, you can walk in sin. You can try to do all those different things, but guess what? The desire in you is to please me and, and whatever you do to run from that, I'm going to draw you back to that. And then, and you can't even run from me and be happy anymore. And it's such a good, it's, it's a cool thing. And, and in the life of a believer, those things are evident. And so we need to realize that the main purpose of the spirit is to conform us into the image of Christ. And, and so we have to, um, understand that. And so with that said, I would ask you this question. If that's the purpose of the spirit in your life, examine yourself. Let's look back a month ago, two months ago, six months ago, a year ago. If, if we're claiming that we're in Christ, what does our life look like? Is there a growth into the image of Christ. And I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm not saying have you sinned because the Bible says if you're without sin, the truth is not in you. If you say that. I'm just saying, have you grown in your relationship with the Lord? Have you grown into his image? Do you start to think like him? Have you started to do the things that he does? Have you started to care about the things that he cares about? And so I'd ask you that. And so I, I want to use that to go into the main part of the message, which is how do I know that the spirit's in me? Right. Billy, you said, man, this thing's bringing the promises. If I can seal myself, if I know the spirit seal me, then I know I got salvation. I can run around, hoop, holler, jump. I know that God is in me. And, and that Philippians 1, 6, that I'm confident of this, he who began a good work in me will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Then that means if that spirit's in us, 
we can rest, right? We can take that deep breath and say, man, the pressure's not on me. God will, God's faithful to bring it to the end. And so, um, before we get into these evidences, I, I really have to say this, that, that I need you to examine yourself honestly. And, and, and what I mean when I say that is, it's very easy to come into church um, and fool people, right? And, and we know this. I, we're good at it. I'm good at it. Um, all Christians are, are pretty good at it. Um, it. It's this idea of even though our life and our world's falling apart and we know what we're doing in the secret, we come into to a church and we put on this face of smile, everything's okay. And, and the problem with that is, is, is Proverbs is true and it says Jesus weighs the heart. And so when he looks at us, we can't fool him. We can't hide him. And this is why I, I wish I could go into it. I can't tell you how important spending time alone with the Lord is because when we come before him, we can't, we can't be something we're not, right? And, and I can come talk to you one-on-one personally, and, and you can put up a front, and you can tell me how great you are and tell me everything about your relationship with the Lord, how you're doing this, this, and that. And I'm not putting that down because I think that's good to encourage one another. I'm just saying... Come before God honestly and, and examine yourself, especially on this idea of, of salvation and, and, and what it looks like. And so, all right, Billy, enough of that. How do I know if the Spirit's in me, right? Okay, so the first thing um, we have to, to see is this idea of having a new direction. So, right, uh, if, if, if our life, if we have a heart that desires to make much of self, and that was our lifestyle before Christ, right, then when we come into Christ and he puts his Holy Spirit in us, which brings us a new heart, new desires, then something has to look different, right? Where my life used to be spent on making much of me, 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 me. Now that we're still with the Spirit, there has to be a new direction. It has to be, it's not about making much of me anymore. It's about making much of Christ. And I call this the aha moment of, of Christianity. And so, um, believe it or not, um, I was a chemistry major in college. Um, which is kind of funny, right? I'm not that smart. And, and, and so when you think about it, um, here's the, you, you go through a lot of chemistry classes and, and obviously in a chemistry major. Um, but it took me till about the fourth chemistry class to finally get the big picture of chemistry, right? So you go through general chemistry one, general chemistry two, organic chemistry one, organic chemistry two. So I get organic chemistry two. And finally the teacher, I guess he just felt sorry for me, set me down. He was like, Dude, do you understand that all the molecules in chemistry are just trying to get to their lowest energy state? And so any reaction or any molecule that they get around that makes them go crazy, they don't want to do that? I was like, man, I never thought about it that way, you know? And so, and it was just like a light bulb plugged in on me and just clicked. And from that moment forward, I'm not saying I made all A's after that, obviously, but I'm just saying something clicked in that moment. Well, Christianity is the same way. And I believe when God seals us with the Holy Spirit, he opens our eyes to the truth that my life is not about me anymore. And so I believe there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians, you don't have to turn to it, but think about it. It says, um, he says that for the love of Christ compels us or controls us when we experience the love of Christ and it controls us. And he says, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And Jesus died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him, for Christ, who's, who for their sake died and was raised. And so we see this transition of our life into an aha moment to say, oh, the relationships that God's given me, they're not about me. 
This job that I'm at, this is not about me. This marriage that I'm in, it's not about me. Those things are to make much of Jesus. Not only that, but our joy comes from Jesus being made much of in that. It's how he created us and how he designed us. And so when we think about those things, and, and even look back at Philippians. Look back at Philippians 1, which was our, our base passage for, for um, the message. And I love this. Um, before Paul gives them that, that great promise of he who began a good work in you is going to bring it to completion. You can be com- confident of that. Here's what he says in verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your what? Partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And so I believe that one of the reasons that Paul could, could look at these people and say, man, I'm confident. I'm confident that Christ is working in you. And if he's working in you, He's going to work in you to the end. You will persevere until the end. And so what I believe Paul's saying is he's saying, man, I've seen y'all's partnership in the gospel. And so to me, what that says is that when the spirit seals us, the gospel becomes our purpose. And, and so when I mean, what I mean by saying the gospel becomes our purpose is it affects the way we live. And so our relationships now become about how can I how can I show this person about Christ? Or if they already know Christ, how can I encourage them in Christ? My job becomes about how can I honor the Lord in what I'm doing and, and reach some people while I'm there, you know, and, and, and my marriage becomes about how can I serve my wife as Christ loves the church? Because it's about portraying Christ to a lost world. And so when I say new direction, what I'm saying is, have you had that aha moment? Has that aha moment kicked of, man, my life is not about me, it's about Christ. And so I believe that's one of the evidences that we can see if the Holy Spirit's in our life. The second one is, is how does sin affect you? Because I believe the effect of sin on our life can tell us whether the Spirit's in us. And so um, if you think about this, um, you know, I, we talked about a while ago, First John says that if we say we're without sin... Um, we're a liar and the truth is not in us, right? And so um, we're all prone to wander back into sin, even as believers. And so here's what I'm asking you. If, if you're still with the Spirit and you wander back in sin, how do you respond to it? What, what effect does that have on you? And so for, for me, let me just get real and personal with y'all. If, if I know something is against the Lord, and, and here, let me start over. So if, if you think about it like this, my problem is not that I don't understand where my joy and fulfillment is found. Like I know like scripture is true, man. Our joy is found in following and pursuing God. Like I firmly believe that with all, but God says that we're still prone to wonder because we have this, this idea of the flesh. We have a spirit inside of, of our fleshly body, which is prone to wonder into all these different things. And so what I'm asking is, is when you're prone to wonder, how does that affect you? Does it hurt you when you choose sin over Christ? Does it hurt you when you choose to chase after sensuality, which is just this idea of what feels good, what, what tastes good, what, what, is, what is good for me now? That, that, like that fleeting, the fleeting fulfillment that sin offers, you know, I love, love the way Bible, I, I don't love it, but like, I like the way the Bible portrays sin and it, it talk, Proverbs talks about it like a, like a prostitute with, with a man. Um, and I promise I'm not getting crazy. Um, 
prostitute with, with a man. And so he says, right at the right time, right when that man's weak, when his eyes are off of Christ, here she comes down the street, you know, flashing everything she's got for him to lure in and do that. James talks about it like this. He says, it's like a fishing lure. He says, you're lured and enticed by your own desire. And so when Satan comes to tempt you with these with this sin, what he does is he knows where you're weak at. And so when you get in that weak moment, what he's going to do is he's going to flash whatever that is that gets your eyes off of Christ in front of you. And, and the problem is not that we don't know that the scripture says that our joy and fulfillment is found in Christ. It's this, when we take our eyes off of Christ, we're weak and we're prone to wonder in that. And so when we quit walking by the spirit, which is the desire to know Christ, that's what happens. And so I think what we have to do is when we get in that moment, I say all that to say when we get in that moment where we've, where we've turned our back on God and, and, and we've dishonored him and maybe a relationship or in our marriage or um, we've, we've snapped at somebody or, or we've bitter or forgiveness or, or whatever that sin is in your life and you know it, does it hurt you that you've said, God, I know you tell me to honor you. I know you tell me not to, to love people as you love, yet... I think I know better and I owe this person this, you know, that makes me feel better. What if I put that person down one time? It makes me feel that better. And so does that hurt us or, or in our relationship with, with our girlfriend or, or maybe some of you can relate with me here. It's, it's this idea of, you know, are we honoring God sexually in our relationship with our girlfriend or are we honoring God in our marriage by the way we, we treat our wives or treat or, or look at other women or, or do these things. And, and when we do that, when we turn our back on what God is saying, does it affect us? Is there something deep down in us that says, God, I'm sorry. And not only that, but when we see the grace of God in that, does it lead us to repentance? And repentance is this idea of God. I see that I've turned my back on you and I know I've hurt you, but God, I forgive me. And I'm turning back to you. So does, does that grace that you see from Christ lead you to change? Or do you, does it lead you to just say, man, I know that was wrong, but I'm going to continue walking in it because it's, it's kind of satisfying me a little bit, you know? And so that's the idea that we have to look at. And, and the idea is there's no way to walk in habitual sin and be filled with the Spirit of God. First John would say there's no way to practice sin. When you've been born of God practice, meaning habitually walking over and over in sin, in sin, in sin, in sin, knowing it's sin. And instead of repenting and choosing Christ, you continue to walk in that. Like if, if God's given you a desire to please the Lord and a desire to make much of Christ, then that doesn't do that. And so there's a time where we have to turn and, and turn back towards the Lord. And so I would ask you that, like, how do you respond to the sin in your life? One, does it hurt you? And two, does it lead you to repentance? And then the last one, which I believe is, is very evident, and I think this one can help you a lot, is, is, is help me. First um, Peter talks about waging war going on. And so the Bible explains that once we're filled with the Spirit, it doesn't mean that we don't struggle with sin anymore, right? So people have that personification of Christianity, that once you've been sealed, once you're a Christian, you're perfect. And we know that's not true, right? So you have this idea of once you're filled with the Spirit, it's a spirit inside of a fleshly body. Fleshly just means it still has the old tendencies. And so what happens is we have this flesh versus the spirit battle going on in our life. And if you've walked with the Lord or, or if you've not walked with the Lord, you probably see this 
going on in the life of believers. And what this is, is when you come to that crossroads where you can choose to honor the Lord and what you're doing or choose to dishonor God, it's, it's almost like two little, like the angel devil. You ever seen the movies where you got the angel on this side, devil on this side, pitchfork, and then you got the halo. And, and so when you think about it like that, that's kind of what the flesh versus the spirit looks like. You know, you have this desire deep down within you that says, please the Lord. Like you, your fulfillment comes from pleasing the Lord. And then you got this devil over here saying, just, yeah, just, just walk in it. It ain't that bad. Like you can just take a step, just take a step. But I can tell you that step is leading you to the same place every time, emptiness and death. And so I would, I would say this, is that war going on inside of you? And, and is it, is it going on in your life? Um, and so if the spirit's in you, then there should be two desires going on. And so there's a, there's a scripture in Matthew that's coming to mind. It says, if the spirit is the, yeah, the spirit is willing. No, the flesh is willing. No, this, hold on. Let's see this. All right, hold on. Here we go. The flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. There we go. Tongue twister. So if, if that's true, if the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, and we don't have the spirit to be willing in us, guess what the flesh is going to be? Strong, right? And so that's what I'm saying. Cause I, and here's the purpose of, of, of the whole thing is don't, don't fall into the same thing that I fell into, man. I was... It was when I first came to Christ, I thought what it meant to be a believer was to follow a set of rules, to do this and not do this. And, and so, and it, I don't think it was because somebody told me that. I just think that was my image of, of what it was. And so I, I knew what it meant to be a Christian is I didn't get drunk anymore. I didn't hang out with my friends who did all this stuff. I didn't have sex with my girlfriend. I didn't do all these things. And here's what I knew I did. I read my Bible. Um, I, I came to church, I got involved with FCA or got involved in all these things. And so for me, for the three years, that's what I did. And I thought it was Christian. I thought that was it. And in the end I was miserable and I was like, God, what the heck you're telling me this is my joy. And I want to be back with my old friends who are doing this. And, and, and the, the problem was I had not come to Christ and said, Lord, I need your spirit. I need you to change my heart. I need you to change my desires. And so I beg you this morning, if that's you, and, and you know if, if you're coming to church and, and the rest of your week is, has nothing to do with, with the Lord, it probably has to do with a desire issue and, and, and a Holy Spirit issue. And so um, I'd really close with this, I guess, and, and in essence is, what does this look like in your life? Are you aware of the Spirit in you? And, and when I say that is, has there been a new direction in your life? Have you realized it's not about me, it's about him? Is there something in you constantly reminding you of that? Number two, how does sin affect you? Does it hurt you deeply when you turn your back on the Lord? Does it hurt you deeply when you don't honor Christ and what you're doing? And then number three, do you feel that flesh versus spirit waging war in your life. And if you do, man, I'd I'd say this, I'd I'd encourage you rest in the fact that God is going to complete the work he started in you. And I'd say, if you don't have that going on, you need the spirit. And I can't tell you how much rest and peace comes when the Lord changes Christianity to not just something you're doing, but who you are, because then it's not a list of rules that I got to obey. 
It's the overflow of a heart that desires to please God. And there's a complete difference in those two people. And, and this morning, I would be stupid if I didn't ask you, do you, do you have the Spirit? And so I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. If, if you don't feel like you got the Spirit, we've, we've seen the Scriptures. It says to hear the gospel and to believe. And so you've heard the gospel. You're a sinner, and, and, and Christ is holy, and you deserve punishment. And Jesus came and, and, and took on your punishment that you deserve to make a way for you back to Christ. And not just make a way, but to ensure that Christ is going to send his spirit to live in you, to help you for the rest of your life, to secure you in salvation for the rest of your life. And so if that's you this morning, let's ask God for the spirit. If that's you, would you raise your hand for me so that we can pray for you? And we want to get you some information that can help you in that. And so if, if that's not you and, and, and you have the Spirit, don't worry, I plan for y'all too. I, I got a song that, that I want to sing together as the body of Christ. And so I hope that each person in here has that Spirit in them. Because the thing that I can say is, man, we can rest sure that He's going to continue that work. And that our salvation is secure forever. And so we're about to sing a song. Um, it's called Blessed Assurance. And, and it's one of my favorite songs. And so I challenge you, as you sing that song, think about the verse, Philippians 1.6. And I'm confident of this, that he who began that good work in you, he's going to bring it to completion. So I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know, um, you know, what Satan's throwing at you, what life's throwing at you. But here's the thing I know. If that spirit's in you, you can rest assured that God's going to complete that work. So let me pray for you real quick. Lord God, I do just thank you so much this morning. God, for not leaving us out to dry. God, for giving us a spirit to change our heart, to change our desires. And God, that we can dwell secure, God, and marked by you and know that you have us in the palm of your hands. God, you're not going to let go. And so no matter if we even willingly try to run, you will draw us back, God. You will discipline us because we're your kids, God. And we can cry, Abba, Father, Lord, forgive us. And Lord, so I pray as we sing this song, Blessed Assurance, that we rest assured in that fact, God, that you got us and you're not going to let us go. Lord, so we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.